Hey guys, Steve here, back again with a little intro, just to uh, give you a nice scope of what's going on on this week's episode. So uh, recently I had the honor and privilege of going to Adrenaline MMA in London and having the honor of talking to Malcolm X. Gordon and Sam Hands of Stone Stout. I had no idea uh, how they operated over there. It's such a cool experience. If anyone has not ever walked into an MMA gym, please do yourself a favor. Walk into there. See what they do. The grinder into how much dedication they have because it's it's ridiculous. It really is. So I was at awe and I would like to thank everyone at Adrenaline MMA from Malcolm who had the opportunity to sit down with me to talk while Sam was uh, doing a little private lesson in the meantime. And then Sam hopped in as well. i also like to thank Mark Hominick for graciously introducing himself to me. Hopefully I could get him on on a future episode as well. While I was also in London, I only not had the chance of going to Adrenaline MMA, but I had a chance to go see my old friend Tyson Dukes at the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory and put in, you know what, I'll be honest, he had me roll a couple times, do a couple bumps, and that's pretty much it. I didn't do nothing special, nothing spectacular. And again, being at 40 and never stepping into a ring in my life, I did not want to be jumping off the top ropes, doing hurricane ranas, fucking getting a chop to my chest, all this shit. No, 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 no. I honestly just wanted the experience of stepping foot into an actual wrestling ring with an actual legitimate wrestler by my side, teaching me at least one hold. My dream is done. That's it. I'm good. That is my WrestleMania right there. So... If Tyson, you're listening, thank you very much, my friend. Really appreciate it. I'm sure I'll talk in depth in the future about my visit with Tyson. He just didn't have enough time. It was such a busy day out there in London. I really wanted to sit down with Tyson. But again, he's another busy man after his, I believe, he invited me over to the gym to see what the kids were doing and all these up-and-comers were all about to put him through the... I guess the rigors of what it is to be a wrestler. And it was about, I don't know, I say two to three hours of him doing that. And then after that, the man has a private uh, training lesson with just regular people who want to get in shape. Fucking Tyson's the man. So again, if you're out in London, go visit Adrenaline MMA. If you're into mixed martial arts, or if you want to be a professional wrestler, go visit the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. You could Google all that stuff. Don't worry about it. It's easy to find. And one last thing, if it sounds like this episode's a bit muffled, again, I was at Adrenaline MMA. I'm not in the studio now like I am doing this little intro. It's, you know what, I put it on par with, you know what, no, it's actually better because the acoustics were better than the Sebastian Suave interview that I did after a smash. So so if you could get through that one, you'll get through this one. It's worth it. Trust me, you get used to it. It's not that bad. There were people training in the background, but again, the conversations were fantastic. Had a great time and would do it again. So on that note... On with the show. This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! (laughs) And now, this is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice it's time podcasting out of this corner a mixed Marshall Talker, holding no professional record. He stands 
as six feet one and one half inches tall, winging at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products or you're scared to try CBD products because you don't know if they're good or not because they're all on the rage and you got some fake ones out there, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com, use promo code THEPODCAST25, you'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. They have everything from balms to tonics to roll-ons to recovery. Anything you need or want from CBD they have, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you're a woman that's what happens to be listening to the show today, Go to poppyapparel.com, use promo code THEPODCAST with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. They ship within the whole world, I guess, not within just North America, but they ship all around the world, and it's free of charge if you spend 50 or more dollars. They have accessories, clothing, shoes, jeans, tops, whatever a woman needs or wants, they have there. So go to poppyapparel.com, use promo code THEPODCAST with a capital D. And please go subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff at Apple Podcasts. TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and that's about it. So, this week, doing something a bit different. Uh, it's been a while since I had more than one guest, because I tend to try and stick to one guest at a time. just makes my life easier. But as you hear in the background, I am at a gym in London, Ontario, called Adrenaline MMA. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Perfect. And that voice, as you hear in the background, I will be talking to first, and then we'll see who will pipe in and out of this show this I guess afternoon, is it? Yeah, it's still afternoon, sure. We'll say that. So, in front of me right now, I am talking to TKO Featherweight, correct? Flyweight. Flyweight. Yeah, we're just the little guys, you know, we have like uh, 125 pounds. (laughs) Pretty fucked up. Yeah, Featherweight, this is a big guy. We're a small guy. These guys are an exciting division. It's fun. We'll leave it at that. Malcolm X Gordon. What's up, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be on this show. Gonna have some fun. Uh, just, uh, talk a little bit about uh, what we gotta talk about. That's it. So let's get into it right off the bat. You said it. The stigma of the little guys. Do you feel it as being a fighter, as a so-called little guy? Yeah, it's true. Like you know, it's hard because you know, like you have one aspect of it. You know, it's the most exciting, and then at the same time, you have some like huge talents. And then you have the fans. The fans are like, you know, big guys, you know, per se, that are, you know, uh, you know, we talk 170 to 200 pounds. So, yeah, they look at us like the little guy, unfortunately, you know. Right. But we still know how to handle our own, and and we're still exciting to watch. But, yeah, unfortunately, we're always going to be looked. A 125-pound man does not look tough in a lot of people's eyes. But you know what? With standing in front of you and seeing what you were doing earlier when I got here, yeah, man. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my distance and I'll, I'll and I'll know not to either embarrass you or say something out of line to me. <laughs> so, what's your record in TKO? Uh, TKO. I can't. I can't really remember my record. So what's your here? overall I, record? I, I, overall record is twelve and three. Twelve and three. All right. I think uh, it's like three or four fight win winning streak right now. Nice. And uh, um, yeah, I, I have over like. I'm more of a finisher. I don't know that I can't remember. I think it's like four submissions, four knockouts, right. something like that for finishes. But yeah. 
it's it's a it's a good record, you know, especially for flyweights too. You know, just having a finishing record, I think, is like so much important because you know, like. I think that was another one of the issues was that they were seeing these little guys just run around the cages for five rounds, three rounds, whichever, and then everybody's like, okay, you know, because you don't, you know, if you never plant your feet, you can't hit hard. Exactly. You know? But you know, I, I always go into the fight knowing that you know you're gonna have to finish this guy or submit him, and that's probably the only way either one of us is gonna get out of this cage. So I don't. I try my best not to leave it to the judges ever. That's it. That's smart. And what do you think about judges? <laughs> do you want to say anything? I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. Not to put you on the spot. I hate them all. <laughs> okay, do you think... Okay, let's be constructive here. What do you think needs to be done to make the judging system better? How about that? Judging system? It's a hard gig. You're not going to lie. It's, like, hard, right? Because, like, so many things you got to look for. And, and uh, you know, it's just... I think as the, before the sport starts to get, like, a little bit more evolved... And you start, like, people start, you know, studying more aspects of, like, say, jiu-jitsu. They study more wrestling. They study more kickboxing. Gotcha. Then they're going to know, like, a little bit more what to, like, look for, which will make rest, repping better, right? Right. I think the direction it's going right now is actually, like, great, though, right? Because, like, you know, the new the new unified rules of MMA, like, that's right. kind of changing the game, which makes it a little bit harder. Like, you know, when the guy was, like, put his hands down, his uh, four points of contact and... You know, playing the game, sort of speak. Like now, there's no like a ground opponent. It's definitely it's defined now. You know, it's right. it's a lot harder to play the game in that sense. And you know, just like you know, I don't. I've never really seen it a huge issue with refing in my fight, so I don't really have too much to comment about. You know, I think a lot of the times when you do leave it in those guys' hands, though, then you got to have to roll the dice and play. Yeah. You know, and right. and as a fighter personally, I think I don't go to fight. For points to, per se mm-hmm. so I'm never going to leave it to that guy's hands like I want to sure. when I fight I want to win and by winning I got to finish so like that's how I finish that's why I strive so hard for the finish so know? do you think in a perfect world uh, ex-fighter would be the perfect scenario to have judging or refing coming in the future I now? think in a perfect world it's like kill or be killed <laughs> so you don't even want to just keep going until yeah, it's it like Julius, one drops it's like I just got back from like a trip awesome. in Italy and it's like I go to the Coliseum and it's like man sure. so many people died in this ring and this, it's Coliseum you know it's right, like right. there was no like okay Julius what do you think man it's like this guy go like thumbs <laughs> up true. or thumbs down yeah. so then at that point it's like okay he's dead oh, or you know he lives okay let's go again you know so like that's it man I say let's keep fighting till somebody dies let's go okay well in your case your cardio must be a lot better than, say, a heavyweight's cardio. Yes. So do you really want to see heavyweights going 12 rounds and literally just, like, fly-swatting? So, then, so, then so my thing is then, you know what, then? Let's keep the best of those guys in the high-level shows, and then oh. let's bring back the flyweights, you know? Because, <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. If you're going to sign a bunch of, like, you know, we got rid of, they got rid of the flyweight division out of the UFC. They say it's not exciting, Pretty you know much. what I mean? Right. But these guys could go for five rounds, and it'd be, like, fun. Yeah. The last time I watched like five rounds of like a heavyweight fight, yeah. I can't no, remember because like man probably was sleeping or drunk, you it's know. True. So I usually fast forward. Like, yeah, there's not it's a like, within the first. Yeah, two it's like we know rounds. we know these yeah. two guys is gonna sweat on each other for three, five rounds, whichever is just gonna be shit. You it's know? true. So, I don't want to watch that, man. So what's your journey? Do you want to make it to the UFC? Do you care? I hope I do, I do care. You know, you don't do this not to care. You know, TKOs like treat me so nice, so that's good. Um. The UFC ultimately, like as anybody, you know, when you start off this sport, like that's that was the goal. It's like goal is to like fight, get good, and then go to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're at a professional level. But so when they when I heard they got rid of the flyweight division, it was like 
okay, now what? You know, now what are you going to do? Because, like, you know, you don't want to do this sport and take so much damage and then have no reward at the end of the day. That's true, too. So, you know, I've heard rumors that they're going to bring this division back in some way. Maybe, uh, like, going to do, a, like, a tournament base or whichever, but... You know, that's it's. I hope I hope they bring it back. I hope they. I really do. You know, the Henry Cejudo champ right now, two divisions, 35-25. He's gonna have to fight somebody at twenty-five to, to keep that belt. You know, makes sense. Well, like you said, we'll see. Unless they don't bring it back, and then they just merge the belts and make it one, right? And then just have a one thirty-five moving forward, and that's it. Yeah, let's tell them meet in the middle, a hundred thirty-pound belt. Oh, you know, because then yeah, it's just an option. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big flyweight. I cut a lot of okay. weight. Like I'm oh, going to be my next question. I'm like, you cut. like thirty pounds, thirty. Oh, shit. 30 yeah. So you could make that if you want. I could, but I think I'm like smaller. I'm on the smaller end of like the. the of that division, you know, okay, gotcha. all those guys, you know, I'd probably put like five more pounds. I'd be a good size thirty fiver, right, right. or I can like just cut the pounds and go to twenty five and stay like it's the biggest guy on the bracket there. You right. well, have you ever tried fighting at one thirty five? An amateur, amateur, oh. a couple times. Like, Would you notice the biggest difference? Just like sometimes there's the size, like they just, you know what? I don't really know. I, I, if they Did give you me speed, did you gain you know, like, uh, strength? I, actually, I felt like way better, you know, because oh, like okay. you know, you didn't have to cut as much. You eat more. You're happier. Yeah. You're healthier. So, but you know, the thing is that at, at this at my level of the game now, it's like you could, every advantage. You have to use like every advantage available to you. So right. if the one like you know we have even across the board skill wise, then the next thing that you can try to at the very least have an advantage advantage for is going to be your size, right? Right, right? So if I'm the small guy, then I'm just putting myself at disadvantage. So if if the fights didn't matter, like if winning and losing didn't matter so much, right. man, I I would try to fight at like 45, then I just be like eat tacos all day and then call it a day. You know what I mean? Right. But it's true. you know, the, unfortunately, like I have a very good size advantage over the flyways. I think that's like my, probably one of my biggest, um, you know, reasons why I'm so successful in that division. So, yeah, it's just some stuff there for now. So, do you like you said it? Uh, records count. Do you really think they count, or is it now that you're seeing this whole entertainment sort of thing I don't know, man. I, I think all the shit talking gets th- you title shots. And I think you got to win like a couple ones. You got to be a little bit exciting, and you may need an Irish accent. <laughs> well, you see everyone doing the imitation now. Right, right now, it seems like wrote the blueprint. Right? I think that's the that's the blueprint right now. Irish accent, <laughs> Irish whiskey, uh, win like two, three fights. And that's it. You know what's sad? You know what's really sad? This whole sport, like, stuff, you know, and one of the things I try to bring back for it is, like, it, right. it used to be, like, martial arts used to be, like, you know, martial arts. The, as the, the essence of martial arts. Right. Um, respect, discipline, honor, all those things. That was what was, like, the, that, that's the essence of martial arts. Of course. Know? They've, like, drifted away so far, just allowing, you know, and I, I, I 100% blame it on MMA. Because MMA and, and, and is completely different, you know? Right. So, like, you get like, these guys who've just strictly done MMA or trained in MMA their whole life. Gotcha, yeah. They didn't just start they, with one discipline They didn't discipline start off with one discipline yeah. and that. So then you get those guys that are just, sure. like, you know, shit-talking and think it's okay and, and talk, like, you know. And it's sad because it just makes this sport, like, you know, we have with... It just makes it look like you guys are a bunch of animals, you know, like, sure. you know. But do you think it's also a part of being North Americanized? Because Americans and... Even us Canadians, to a certain degree, always want to see stuff more glorified. Don't look at it as the respect 
but look at it as more as a celebrity value towards it. Yeah, you know right? what? When you put it that way, you're actually, uh, yeah, you're right. Because you still go to Japan. Like, you see Ryzen, you see 1FC, like those Asian-type uh, organizations. It's still all about the respect and shit, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's just a North American thing. Well, right? North America's fucked up then, man, because... <laughs> I don't know, like, this guy, like, talk shit about my mom, like, I'm gonna kill no, you I know what you mean, right away. You're, like, my religion, I'm probably gonna oh, kill fuck. you, like, That's right true, away, true. you know, or, yeah, or like, yeah. my my political, my sexual orientation, you know what I mean? Like, for whatever, any of your whatever, views or values. For whatever reasons, or you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's like, okay, one thing get in my head, but, like, now I'm gonna take it super personal. Unfortunately, not all of us are, like, nice guys. <laughs> well, it's true. Well, if, if you look, I'm sorry to say, not everyone is disciplined when they come into mixed martial arts. For some people, I don't know about you, and if you want to speak on it, how you got into it, but it's sort of as an escape from the sort of thug life or street life yeah. out there and shit, you know? So they're not really, not to say they're not, they have their head screwed on tightly, but they're a little bit loose cannon, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. That's it, so... No, I got it at like young age. Started off with jujitsu, you know. I'm like wearing my gi right now. I train the gi every day, wow. you know. And like I, I, I just, I've started off in the martial arts, you know, jujitsu. So that's it, you know. Coming from that, transitioning over to kickboxing, then eventually the MMA. All this stuff was like natural. It made sense, right? You know. So uh, I have, I've had great mentors along the way. Sean Tompkins I trained uh, wrestling with, oh, nice. with Kevin Randleman oh, I've had nice. um, just re- like here in the in the Toronto region for like right. my Jiu Jitsu George Burrito and the Jiu Jitsu for Life team you know I, I have um, you know other kickboxing coaches like Bazooka Joe kickboxing team, you know what I mean like you can I know a lot of the times it's tough because we've come from such like a, a niche small area of, of training where you know you know your kickboxing gym you stick to one but I'm a firm believer of like yes there's loyalty to your gyms and whatnot. of course but you know you can't just draw all the time from one pond so I don't say I would dabble in like a hundred different things but I do try to take the best from like one or two places and, sure. then, and then keep that that's my home well, of course, because you have to see too. You can't, like you said, you can't be in that bubble and not know what's on the outside. Because what if they're doing something different that might apply to your and that's and the thing. At, so right? big fish, small pond. You know that that mentality where you think, right. but then the world around you is like just exploding, and that's kind of what's going on <laughs> right now. There's like right. there's a limited amount of, of knowledge that you know you can pass down, but eventually, sometimes it, it, you outgrow it, and the knowledge gets like there's a little bit more available and. and for lack of a better term just like um, expired you know some right. stuff so that we have sometimes and it takes like something like very self-aware like a little bit more like you know into it to realize uh, take a look around see what's going on see what the recent trends are you know and then now we're gonna have to like adjust make adjustments and go from there you know yeah so but MMA is like it's like you see what's going on these days like the techniques if you even look in the last five years it's like techniques are so much different than what they were using. And like the news, like even submission, you're talking jujitsu based. These guys are doing like things that like were unheard of five years ago. Right. You know what I mean? And then, and then, and even to this day, there's still like stuff that like you could be like, holy shit, man. It's like, I, where was this like four days ago? It's like everything's like, <laughs> that's, just, how fast like it's that's how fast it's evolving. Right. You know? And then you think that's about crazy. these kids now because you have like YouTube and stuff, you know, oh, like the, right. the amount of information that was available <laughs> to me as a kid was like so limited because right. like if I want to learn jujitsu, I had to go to, I had to get my mom to drive me to the school. Then I take an hour long class, 
and then that was it. Then I had a, like a roll for an hour, then I had to go home. But yeah. now kids, they can take their, they can go to school, learn what they want to learn, then they can go on YouTube, yeah, and for right. the next seven hours while they're at home, just like sit there and watch like technique after technique after technique. Yeah, exactly. Like if I wanted to do that, I had to find some like guy that was like gonna meet me in some back alleyway and have like VHS tapes and like give it to me. You know what I mean? Like not it's like in true. the alley. Like, you know what I mean? Like no, that's, I do know what that's the about, same. Dude. Like you know, that's the same thing. That's but the era I grew up in. That's it. You know, so like now these kids, like it's like day one jujitsu is their first day, and they're like, man, I've been watching like YouTube for like ten years. I know. It's like gonna learn, like teach you some shit. <laughs> I know. Our, you know what our YouTube was? Watching Bloodsport, Kickboxer, shit that's like that. That's exactly Bruce it. Bruce Lee movies. That's, that's exactly it. it. That's exactly <laughs> it. So it was, not that it was basic, but it was like the beginning, like the inception of MMA, right? So, so with everything, it evolves. That's it. So it's, it's, it's gonna keep an eye on these 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 things. It's like man, these things like it's going. It's it's like yeah. blowing up huge techniques are blowing up huge. So. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I had Hidon Gracie on the show, too, and he was talking about his uh, Gracie University Online. Amazing. And there's a Amazing. perfect example, because he can upload and upgrade literally every day, so Amazing. he's always up to date. But ask him how much it costs to be a that part I of that university. Him, so. <laughs> well, he's not going to give you that one for free, I tell no, you that I'm, much. I'm, I'm assuming not. That one's not going to go for free. That one's not going to go for free at all. Oh, That's shit. the thing about those Gracies. They remember, they know. If they're actually, if I, I, I have nothing bad to say about the Gracies. I love right. Gracies. My school's like part of them, but okay, yeah. they. One thing I do commend them for is the ability to turn like this sport into like a legitimate business, which is right. beautiful because that's the next aspect of this thing. You know, you spent 20 years, it's gonna be like almost 21 years to get my black belt, but then after that, you, it, it's, it's like going to school, like university. You know, right. like now you have the ability to, the, the sense to open a school and teach. And do all these things, yeah, and, right. and before, you know, if you didn't see any blueprints about how to do this, it was like made like it was so much more difficult for a lot of like the beginning schools like start up that in that right, way, right. right? But when you look at like the 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 way the Gracies have structured their programs and everything to the business, like though they blended both the martial arts and the business aspects together, right. it's like now it's like there's a light that like turn on like, okay, you, maybe you can make some money at this now too. Right. You know, after fighting. Even know? that, because I was going to say, there's only a certain life shelf for a fighter. I'm sorry to say, obviously, everyone knows that. You can't do it until you're 60, like normal retirement. That's it. So you have to find that other path. Unless, again, you're Irish and you, you drink talk. whiskey yeah. and you talk shit. <laughs> then that's different. Then you don't have to worry about an after life yeah. after fighting. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. That's it. So you were born in Calgary, raised as well? Born and raised in Calgary. Yeah. So what, was the, how, what made you the switch to come over here to I, London or like, Toronto? Uh, I did uh, like a jiu-jitsu tournament in Las Vegas. Oh, wow, okay. And then one day like was walking down the street, seeing this like tap-out gym, thought it was cool, like see these guys all the time from like the beach were tap-out. Right, right. And uh, <laughs> it's good old days. <laughs> it's good old days. They're like wear like tap out hats and shirts right. and like jeans, and you're like, man, I wonder who this brand is. It's like tap out. <laughs> and uh seen it and then walked in and I uh, see the pro training I saw like my good friend my best friend Chris Hordeski he's like training there he's not here he's not at the gym today but he's like he's fucking oh, of course he's I know Polish Chris hammer is. man yeah. like fucking of course so I was like man that's Chris Hordeski right so go talk to this guy and then um, yeah Sean Tompkins was the head coach of that, that gym at the time right and then from there met uh, Sam Stout Mark Hominick all these guys yeah, and from came to London and that's it man what is it about this area that breeds good fighters? <laughs> what do you think it is? <laughs> Low economy. Where you have to scrap all the time. You have to scrap all the time, and uh, <laughs> and just 
I don't, you know what? I don't know, man. London has produced <laughs> right. like the yeah for such a small town. It's that's what I'm saying. They've produced more than actually yeah. the city of Toronto. Like yeah. off the top of my head, I probably think two or three just from Toronto and London. Toronto, we have just a keep mall. going. Yeah, we exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> let's just try and keep this trend going. That's how we gotta. That's what we gotta think now, right? I'm like, okay, if we've done it, but let's keep this trend going. That's my thing, you know. Like I don't want. It to, I don't want it to end just with like the the three, the holy trinity of them and right. The, and, the sort of the pioneers. You know what I mean? Like yeah, let's yeah. not just end it there. Maybe let's like start thinking about like these next guys who we can make keep it up because Toronto's catching up too, right? So, right. Well, there is a gym like on every corner now. How legit it is, who knows? Who knows? But well, I can tell at least you right? something. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it, you know? So, it's trying to keep that tradition alive is what we've been trying to do. And I think we have a good system at doing that and we're going to continue to do it. You know, so... So, who do you... Being here at the gym, any names pop in your head that you think is going to be the like, next big thing? We have uh, Maddie Havorka. We have Gino Gallif and Lauer Lauer. One of those right? names. He knows. He knows who he is. <laughs> oh, shit. Um... You know, Tanner Froggle, Gord Cunningham. All these guys in their 20s? You know, all these guys are young kids, okay. yeah, and then coming gotcha. up. We have, I have this really young kid. Uh, I'm just going to call him Attila for lack of a better name. Sure. But he is like, I've been doing this for 20 years. This guy like picks up some techniques that I've been showing him in like 10 days. And, like, and it's wow. like just, he's like next phenom. It's amazing. Right. You know? So like, it's good. Now the thing, the only thing with Ontario is that the commission is like shit. Yeah, I've heard that. Right? So very hard for like these guys to get out and actually compete on like right. an amateur MMA level. There's like jiu-jitsu tournaments which are like tough too because like a lot of people can't justify like spending like a hundred bucks for like one possible like one match, you know? Oh, I see. Okay. Because it's like single elimination, you know? Right, and, then, right. and then kickboxing is like overrun with like guys that are like Sometimes, like, it's, it, depending on organization, it could be greedy, too, in that sense, right? Sure, of course. So, it's always, I find it's always, like, struggle to get the amateurs, like, brought up. But once we get them there, right. then the pro shows, it's, like, boom, you know? Right. So, I would wish the, uh, the commission was a little bit more uh, easy to deal with. Right. Right? But everybody's got to get paid, I guess. <laughs> you know, everyone has, what do you say, their finger in the cookie jar? Everybody's got one finger in the cookie <laughs> jar. That's true. So what's your end game? What do you want to see out of all of this by the time you're, you hang up your black belt and you're all said and done? Well, first thing is, like, never going to hang up this black belt. You're going to so, be one of those 80, 90-year-old guys rolling? Yeah, I'm probably going to roll even <laughs> when I can't roll anymore. Then they're going to have to roll me to roll. Well, in the future, you know, they're going to have already, like, those prosthetic limbs and shit. I'm so like holding knows? out on, man. I'm holding out for bionic, man. <laughs> see, exactly. going to be, like, six... Six million dollar man. Yeah, exactly. On the those mats, you know? <laughs> but end game, I want to see like just like just there's no end game, man. Or even in general, people, even for MMA as a whole. General, too. general, I want to see like uh, just people as people start getting paid a little bit more. And, that's, and every fighter says that. Yeah. And you know, I think that's just it. I think that's it. You know, would a union work? Maybe. I know. I was here fifty-fifty about that too. Maybe. But then you got to pay into that union, right? Is that how that would work? I think that's I like think so. That's how. That's how majority most of unions, of unions work. work. But right? I know about sports, right? Exactly. Because I don't know. You got to ask someone who's in hockey or basketball so, or something. I think I think that would be it. You know, with the, like there has to be some diversity too with the, U, with the UFC kind of like monopolizing the majority. Right. Well, of, especially of North the America. Spotlight for MMA. It's like that makes it tough too, you know. And then they can cut. Sponsorship and stuff like that. I was I know. too, so right. But you know, 
that, that would be it, you know? Gonna just keep staying on the mask and rolling. That's it. Keep <laughs> teaching these guys, beat people up, lose some matches. How much do you, do you enjoy matches. teaching more than I actually being I in the cage? It. I love it. I love it. It's fun. Yeah, I love if it. If you could only choose one, what would you do? Kill teach. people. Kill Don't. people in the cage. You need to let out the aggression. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> it's not aggression. It's like constant, like, it's, uh, it's testing yourself. Make sure your skill, like, still works, you know? Right, right, right. You know? You can teach, yeah. I can teach a lot of blue in the face. Right. But, you know, you still like it's to get out the same, there. Right? That competitive aspect of the sport, I love. Have you ever cornered someone? Yes. Terrible corner man. Drink too much. Because <laughs> I was going to say, how was that feeling? It's different. Of, right? It's like way different. Right? It's way different. And especially if you're shouting something and you're not doing it, how yeah. aggravated do you get? You know, actually, I don't get aggravated. Because, okay, because, like, uh, the, the two times I've cornered exclusively, a couple of my guys has been, the experience has been, like, you it's like fun, you know. There's okay, like yeah. you, there's a time where you like you know you gotta because you don't want to get the guy too like wound up and too like it's a stressful yeah, situation yeah, already, sure. right? So if everybody's in the room, you know, stress. The guy gonna stress. He's not gonna be not perform his best, right? Right. So I try to keep it as light as possible. Okay. We get in the cage, then then you're gonna give him some good advice. I think like with just the expert experience of like jujitsu and wrestling and, and stuff, and sure. I think the other thing is the part of being a good cornerman is. You have to be able to like truly articulate what is going or what you want to get done. Okay. Right? And, Makes and sense. like and as simple as possible too, you know? Of you can't be like tell them like throw the like the twenty foot punch combo or whichever overload it with too much information because then the guy's not gonna whichever. Yeah. So I try to keep it like very like basic simple. for these guys, simple and then just let it like pan out. Because hopefully all the hard work has been done. Up until that point. Right, makes sense. You know, then it makes the fight easier. So it should be all muscle memory at that it point. It should be muscle memory. Just small stuff, I guess, that you're tweaking, That you're right? trying to correct. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I like I like it. It's probably going to be like something. I'm not, martial arts never going to just like go away from me. I'm, the, I'm okay. never going to be the you're guy always that's gonna just going to be. Gonna be I'm always going to be somehow in the sport, whether I'm teaching, right, running right. a school, or, you know, fighting, whichever. Sure. But it's always going to be, this is, it's in my blood. It's, it's going to stay. What about walkout music? What do you like to come out to? Man, I I sold like for the longest time. I used to keep it like super conservative, and like okay. I was like such a boring guy. And it's and now it's like I'm starting to have a little bit more fun. I, okay. I switched it up, man. From being from Toronto, I try to right. come out to like a different Drake tune. Okay, okay. And then being Jamaican, now I try to come out with like some Jamaican stuff too. Now, sure. I just like to have fun. I think it's very important to have fun. Just hands, of course. Yeah. Like, keep it loose, as they say, right? Yeah, it's you going in the cage. You're worried about everybody else and all this other stuff. You're gonna regret it, you know. Right. So I mean, as long as like you're having fun and doing whatever you want to do, man, good for you. Cause, you know, sure. it's getting in the cage and being having the ability to pick a walkout song and go out there. Like, like maybe like 90 percent of the people of the population never gonna do this. That's yes. That's the other aspect of it, right? Right. So how, do you take it in? When you're there in the moment, oh, yeah. or do you take oh, it for yeah. granted? Well, I guess no, I, ta- I take it. In. I take it. In. Do you? I take it in mass. It's a very uh, unique experience, and like uh, it's 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 different. It's different. It's fun. I encourage a lot more people to try it out and see, but like then you don't want to get hurt. <laughs> well, that's true you know? too, and not a lot of people want to put in the time to yeah. do. Unless again, you're a celebrity and you can pay someone off to get into like Bellator yeah. or yeah. something like that, right? And then then that's a different story. Yeah, but other than that, you still got to put in your time and. You're not dedicated. People yeah. are not going to work through that, right? 100%. <laughs> so what do you do on your off time other than rolling? Off time is just like uh, rolling. <laughs> but you roll all the way I home roll. too? <laughs> I roll home. That's it, man. You're that's not, what, you're TV, music, I video like, games, nothing? I, like, I, 
I um, like we're from Calgary, Alberta. Like we like snowboard, but like there's like oh, shit. there's okay. no hills here. There's no mountains here. So like that's shit. Got to go a bit more up north. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta leave. You can't, you can't be in Ontario to do it. And then uh, that's it. Like try, I try to like try like these new retirement sports, like golf. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, you're going from MMA to golf. Come on, yeah, man. go like play like a little bit of golf. It's something that's good for your mind, you know. Oh, like, okay. It's like patience. You're gonna hit this like little ball. You can't kill it, and just like it's just fun. It's just, you know, man. I like do anything that like challenges me, like just like productive and challenging. Right, you know? right. There's probably a lot of things I could do in my off time, but like I just I enjoy being here in the sport and the aspect. Hang out, a lot of family stuff. That's it. What about watching? Do you watch a lot of UFC? I hate Bellator? watching fights. No? I hate oh, watching really? fights. Yeah, I'll watch them oh, after shit. the fact, but okay. like to sit there and watch the whole thing, I don't. I don't really enjoy it because it's like always gonna like have that. I wish I was in there. Maybe like one of them, like you know. Is it a sort of like a Rocky Five when he's watching Tommy fighting and he's in his basement punching away? You watch these guys and like, man, I'd kill these guys. Why well, I'm not there yet? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> right. So okay, like, I got you. The big. I watch the big fights. I watch the big fights. Okay. Right? Well, sure, because no. everyone's talking about it, and you want to be left out either, right? So, and then, yeah. like you said, if someone is talking about it, you could always watch the highlights nowadays. You can watch the highlights. That's it. You go from there and see some crazy stuff. Hey, you know, probably should watch some more. But well, all you really need to care about your opponents, really, right? That's that, and that's all I think about. You know, because I think of it too. Again, being an outsider, not being in the sport. If you watch too many, too much MMA, you might start picking up very bad habits that other people are doing, and exactly. you think they're good. Exactly. So maybe it's better just to stay away from it altogether, right? And then yep. put it together with your trainer that way. 100%. Cool. 100%. All right. This is your floor. You want to promote anything where people can find you? Anything up, up and coming? Up and coming. I got, uh, we have TKO. I can't remember which number, so sorry, Stefan. <laughs> but um, I'm fighting September 13th. So like, this is my like, international debut. This guy from uh, uh, Japan, uh, Mansuba. Anyway, he's supposed to be like very dangerous guy, like submission sure. guy, eleven and three record, so he's got a good record. And uh, gonna kill this guy. That's it. <laughs> nice, good luck, brother. Thanks for coming aboard, Malcolm. I appreciate it. Till next time, my friend. Thank you, sir. All right, so I got my next guest here lined up. He's ready to talk. But he's had uh, twenty fights in the UFC, which included six fight of the nights. Correct? Yep. That's kind of arguable because. Uh, if you look in the, they had oh. that UFC encyclopedia. I, I count seven because they really? the first Spencer Fisher fight. They um, if 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 you look in the UFC encyclopedia, it had uh, um, that was UFC fifty eight, and they I think they had um, David Loazzo and Rich Franklin winning fight of the night. But right. I that was a pretty one sided fight. Like I mean, I love I love David Loazzo, but I right. thought, I didn't think it was you know I thought Spencer and I had a better fight, but. It's up for debate. All right, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll say six, six and a six, half. Six, How about six, that? Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> six and a half. He retired with a 2012-1 record. Canadian mixed martial artist, and some people might say pioneer. I guess that's safe to say in I some circles. Yeah. I think I was one of I was one of the first guys, and not the first, but there was uh, wasn't a lot of guys from Canada when I first got into well, the sport. Thinking, okay, let's introduce you first, Sam Hands of Stone Stout. For those who don't know, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, because you never know. Yeah. But uh, going back, the first guys I could think of is like Gary Goodrich. Yeah. There's one there. Yeah. And then I, I'm drawing a blank because you're uh, such a big gang, there was, right? Uh, there was one guy in the old school UFC days. I can't draw a blank on his name. Um, but then, <laughs> no idea. But then there was, uh, yeah, then there was uh, Gary Goodrich was the, the first big, kind of big name. And then, right. uh, let's see, 
and obviously George St. Pierre and those guys, but then, uh, yeah. uh, what was his name from? Don't worry, I, I suck with blank. names and my memory always draws a blank too. Hey Mark, what was the guy, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, Welterweight, uh, we used to hang out with him from, you did Pancreas with him, I think. Carlos New. Carlos Newman. That's Newman. right. I was drawing a Thank blank. You. He was he was one he was the first Canadian to win a UFC title, I believe. What? He, he had the welterweight okay. title. Yes, then, you're right. Uh, That's right. Yeah, and then he lost that controversial decision to Matt Hughes. Remember when Matt right. Hughes slammed him and he was he was Matt Hughes was unconscious and yeah. he slammed him and he knocked Carlos out and it was and it was kinda like a whoever woke up first won the fight. <laughs> Kind of thing. I miss those days. I'm sorry yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really see that too yeah. too much nowadays. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's get right into it. What got you into mixed martial arts? To start from that, so people know. Like, um, what was your main thing that you saw? Or well, Sean, Tom- Sean Tompkins was was the reason I started doing it. I mean, I was I was always kind of a scrappy kid. Okay. And uh, I was I was like wanted to try boxing, but never really sure. never really did it. And uh, and then my sister actually started dating Sean. Right. 16 and that's, right. that's how I got into the sport so okay. he was he was starting to, he had a gym in Tilsonburg which is okay. about um, you know 30-40 minutes outside of London mm-hmm. and then he was also starting to teach at, uh, at a karate gym twice a week okay. so in London so he asked he came over to meet my family um, have dinner with us and he started talking about what he was doing and he invited me to come try a kickboxing class and started the next day and never looked back and you loved it since day one. It wasn't hard to take. Oh, it was, no. It all no, came it was, easy to you. No, as soon as I found it, I mean, I, I was, I was like, you know, a decent athlete, but never, never the best at anything, and never, you know, I was, I was always good at everything and not great at anything until I found fighting, and that was, you know, I was, I found my niche there. Do you think you were born at the wrong time? Do you think you'd rather be born now, where MMA is more at its peak than it was, sort of say back then? Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm talking, yeah, and I'm yes not talking about no. like fans' perspective. I'm talking about more of like the media, where it was considered like a blood sport and all that shit. Right? You know what? I, to to be honest, I'm. Uh, I mean, sure, I wish I made a little more money, but they're they're really not paying that much more. It's a little bit more, but not a ton more. Um, I was able to fight at a time where I still think it was it was more fun to be a part of the UFC back then. I think so. Was, you know. <laughs> At least when they fan. did, you know, when they did, they did, you know, 13, 14 events a year. Right. It wasn't, like, I, I almost feel like it's a little saturated. I mean, it's still the sport that I love. Of course. But, I, like, who's, who's got the time to watch every single right? event? It's crazy. It's, um, it's true. You know, so I'm lucky, to, I'm lucky to catch half of them these days. Okay. So, you know, and there's, there's just so many guys now. And it's, I mean, there was a time I could name every... I could. Right. I knew every fighter in the UFC, and now and it's even, like I watch. A, I look at a card, and it's like you can't. You can't. You can't even follow. How about this? I'll even go as far as I'd be able to name. Now I can't even do this. Name all the champions, and that was easy. Now yeah. try and name every single champion because of all the interns and different weight yeah, classes and right. everything. Right? You're right. It's crazy. You can't keep up. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, what have you been doing since you? Well, your we've got adrenaline training center here where we're doing. Where we're uh, recording this podcast. It's uh, right. It's kind of uh, so adrenaline's been. Myself, Mark Hominick, and Chris Hordesky's baby for uh, for since well since Sean really permanently decided he was going to stay in Vegas. Oh, okay. So he passed down uh, Team Tompkins to us back oh, then. I wasn't aware of that. Okay. okay. Yeah. So he was. Uh, so we, it started off as us running his gym. Right. And uh, you know we decided to to open it as Adrenaline Training Center, kind of home of Team Tompkins, as, okay. as opposed um, there was you know CRA was 
There was, Sean, wasn't, Sean wasn't always, uh, his books were a little out of order, so. Fudge um, does he so, see? Yeah, so we, so we um, but, yeah, but to make it our own as well, sure. right? And, of course, um, you want that stamp, right? Yeah, so we opened a journal and cheering center, uh, the original one, about almost 11 years, 11, almost 12 years ago now. That so yeah, wow. it'll be 12 years in November, I believe. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we've had all these different places, but we just bought the real estate for this one, and right. we own the building, and, and now it's kind of, we got to, you know, we, we just did, gutted the place, ran out the whole thing, right. and kind of built it to our exact specifications, whereas yeah. before we were in somebody's rental property that... You know, there's only so much leasehold improvements that they'll do. And it's saying. like, you know, a toilet breaks and it's like you call the landlord, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> I, but it right. might, it, you know, we've had some bad experiences where it's like, you know, so now this is our place and we've got a little more pride in the, in the building and, um, you know, the toilet breaks, we're the landlords now, so we get it, it gets fixed right away. So, so who's got the plumber crack out of all of these? <laughs> We got well, we, yeah, yeah. We got uh, none of us are none of us are. Because I can't picture you guys hunched over fixing a toilet. No, not, it's not. Hap- that's not happening. That's uh, not me, Mark or Chris. No. So, what do you miss most about fighting? Um, I just miss, you know, the excitement of it all. You know, the lead up, everything. The lead up, and, and just like the freedom. It, it, you know, at the time it seemed so stressful, but like looking back now, it's like right. it's such a great life. I got to, I got to go to Vegas and train with my buddies there, and, and kind of get away from get out of town for a while and have nothing to do but think about training. My right. only responsibility, no no other stress. It's uh, not like you had a part time job. I didn't or have kids a part time job. Right. No no kids at that point. Smart. And uh, yeah, it was just go in. Make sure you get enough rest. Make sure you eat well. Make sure you train hard, and that was yeah. But back then, how much rest were you really getting? Because it's not like today, where if you have you have the concussion protocol and all that type of stuff. No, you were banged up and just keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. um, It wasn't. Not to say that it's worse now, but no. Yeah, I I never. That wasn't even something that really crossed my mind. I mean, we were we were always injured and had aches and pains and bumps and bruises. But I think that that's still to this day. Like there's, you know, there's still. Guys training through injuries, you can't make it through a training camp without having something, something get hurt. But uh, you know, there's some there's some better things in place. Like they got the UFC PI performance, the performance oh, yeah, the center performance there, center. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so anytime you get an injury, you can they'll, they'll you know get yourself to Vegas. And right. so for me, that would have been great. I was I was That's right in town. Too, right? Right? So, um, but they have you know doctors and physiotherapists and everything, and massage therapists and everything you could you could possibly imagine to so that's i mean that's nice that they've done that for the guys and um you know the, the money's getting a little better it's i mean it's it it's a different landscape than it was there's but there's i think it's kind of some things are a little better and some things to me aren't so it's kind of and you're always going to have the flip side of everything right you can't have it perfect of, of course and like you know it doesn't you're always going to have things you would do differently or want you know yeah, I, I, I try not to think like that. <laughs> Drive yourself crazy if you do so that. So what do you miss the least? Is it the business part? Cutting weight. Oh, really? Oh, man. Cutting weight was miserable. Yeah. So how much... Okay, because uh, back then, there was, you were fighting at the lightest weight class fight. back when... You, when well, originally, when before I first they, signed... Before yeah, they brought the... the WEC they, they and all that. amalgamated the uh, uh, WEC and brought, in the, brought the 145ers right. back. But yeah, when I first came in, I was in the lightest weight class. And... Uh, 
But I was always, I would have been a natural 155er anyway, so yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. You don't think you'd go down to featherweight? No, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. I didn't even, I mean, I was cutting, I was walking around at the start of camp, I'd be right. a lean 175. Okay. And then I'd diet down to 170, a little under 170, and sure. then have to cut that last 13 pounds. But I'd get back up to 175 by fight time. By fight time. Yeah. Oh, so crazy. it was, you know, just a. It's the one thing about the sport that it's like, there's no solution for it because there's always going to be people cutting weight. But, um, you know, when I was, like, it makes no sense. Like, we're training so hard. You're beating yourself up so bad. And you're starving yourself while you do it. So it's like, really, that's at a a certain point, that's going to start affecting your recovery. It's going to start affecting your energy levels. So so you're just exhausted. Especially, like, if your weight cut, sometimes your weight cut doesn't go as planned. And Ooh, shit, you know, and you're you're not meeting those kind of, you know, it's like I like to be this weight by by four weeks out. I okay. like to be this weight by two weeks out. Yeah. And yeah, like if you're not hitting, if if yeah. you're overweight for like, you're you're kind of behind schedule, you then you got to you got to really starve yourself, and you're not wow. eating any oh, carbohydrates. And, and that's worse because now you're closer to yeah, fighting. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. You're closer to the fight, and you're, you're you have less energy, so then right. you're more risk of, at more risk of getting hurt because you do something True. lazy or you do. Fuck make a mistake so yeah that was always the worst part for me is just like yeah it was miserable yeah and you're, you're just like you know you you know you can't drink you can't go out you gotta go to bed you gotta go to bed early you gotta do everything right and on top of that you're you're literally hungry 24 hours oh so you have that days. rumble always yeah always, always yeah. yeah like even after right as soon as you've done a meal you're like wow that was so unsatisfying to eat that chicken breast vegetables and you know a quarter <laughs> right. of a sweet potato right like, oh my god so has anything advanced there's got to be something that's made it a little bit easier now to cut weight than it used to back in the well, day well one thing I, mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't say the, the science of it hasn't I mean it's it's always trial and error for everybody and okay. everybody's body's different so that's true I mean there's there's a lot I mean, by the time I was done, there was I, I, it, it was I was seeing a nutritionist and I was right. getting a, a diet kind of roughly written out for me, and I did my homework on it, and I knew what worked for me. Gotcha. Now, yeah, like there's, but you still see people that are like, yeah, I'm just going to eat salads and not, and you know, <laughs> just it. eat chicken salad, and it's like, but you really have to, you know, for me the understanding that it's, it was more about portion control and uh, and making, but you had to make, still make sure you can just eat. You can't just eat lettuce and survive off that and, and function at a high level. So, you know, it was like, for me, it was like small serving of vegetables, small serving of carbohydrates, good, but good healthy carbs, more like uh, potatoes or sweet potatoes or rice or, or quinoa or, or something like that as okay. opposed to bread and pasta and stuff like that. Well, even the foods nowadays, now to think about, because you said quinoa, back when you were fighting, quinoa wasn't a big thing. So I can only imagine trying to find it too, right? Yeah. Whereas now I mean, you can find it everywhere. Yeah, I was I, I kind of I, I was more of a sweet potato guy anyway, so oh, okay. I was, I, that was so that <laughs> that I always found filled me up the most and it tasted the best and it wasn't I didn't get sick of it so um, yeah that was kind of more of my thing. I wasn't sweating about not being able to find quinoa that. <laughs> so how long have you been retired now for? It'll be four years this, uh, end of, by the end oh, of the summer. Like I thought it was longer for some reason. It seems longer. Does nope. it seem long to you? or It does seem like a long time since I fought. Yeah, it does seem... Because I was going to say, looking back now, and even being wiser and older, and yeah. just in life in general, and what you know, and being more of like a sort of teacher world than you were back then, 
what would you change or what would you tell younger self to do when you were fighting? Um, I would say kind of enjoy the moment a little more. I would say oh. save more money. Okay, because me and Malcolm <laughs> touched on that and he says he enjoys every moment of it. He soaks it all in yeah, and he takes yeah. it. So you are like Well, that. I think, for, well, for him, we were, we hadn't had anybody, you know, I, we had Sean who was, who had fought for a long time before, but he was True. fighting kickboxing where there was no yeah. real money in it. And uh, it was just about like the competition and stuff like that, and living in the moment. And like, I mean, I had I had a blast, man. I had so much fun. <laughs> you know, we'd fight hard, party hard, train hard. Like it was it was just uh, it was a great time. But yeah, looking back, it's like, eh, maybe I wouldn't have picked up all those tabs at the bars <laughs> after the fights for every for all those strangers, anyone who was standing oh. within my in my vicinity and but then again you still had that adrenaline from fighting right so yeah of course to turn it, it was off. like well that was just part of it right it was like we just did everything 100% so it right. was like you know we weren't thinking about like you were living in you the know, moment you know I would yeah exactly I would, I would fight my ass off win a fight of the night bonus and then you know and then go blow through the cash and, and then when my bank account was close <laughs> to empty I'd be like oh damn time to get another fight better get another fight soon but <laughs> And then I, that wasn't through my whole career, and I didn't, I didn't spend every penny right, or anything right. like that. But, you know, looking back, I kind of kick myself sometimes. I remember, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, like, looking at my bank statement, like, a, a month after one of my fights, and just right. being, like, like, my jaw hitting the floor. I was like, oh, my God. And that, luckily, was early enough in my career that I, I still had some time to make some money and get some couple more big paychecks and, and uh you know, buy myself a house, and and I was lucky. The the one thing about being back in those days is it was I got a house. I was making the most money in my career during the recession when everyone. Shit. So I was able to buy a house for dirt cheap and make a you know make a good some build some good equity since right. then. And you know I I made and I got with some financial advisors before it was all said and done. And, uh, there you go. And I uh, was able to kind of set myself up a little bit and we've been able well, to yeah. you, you know, wouldn't have all this if you yeah, have had some, head on your shoulders I have, right? you know, I'm, I, I have some money to, to play around with and invest in and I don't have enough money to, to you know not work or anything like that but, right. but I got yeah, my, but my money but I was, I was able to make, to make some money and have my money make some money for, for me now right so yeah but even knowing you again like I was trying to say you, you wouldn't be one of those guys just to sit down and do nothing and just chill by the pool the rest no of no life, no right? you, definitely not I'm sure no. you need that sort of something to get you going right no and I, I really think about it sometimes and um, you know if I won the lottery tomorrow and I did and really or, or if the UFC had been a different landscape and, and I could have not done anything after if I right. was, had the financial ability to do that I would uh, I'd probably still be doing the same thing anyways I'd still want to be a part I want martial arts to be a part of my life for the rest of my life and you know I think it's my res- it's, it's my responsibility to, to Sean and to you know to the sport really to, to give something back to it and train guys and teach guys what I've learned from Sean and teach him not even just martial arts wise but the life lessons right he got you know we got guys like like this guy over here who's who's kind of our next one of our next up-and-comers it's like you know you got to teach him about being a man too not just about how to how to fight that's true especially when they come in here pretty young yeah exactly wow that's pretty cool okay what about your most embarrassing fight moment that you could think most embarrassing fight moment yeah anything go wrong like walking to the cage and tripping or hate to say if you shit yourself or anything no never never (laughs) shit myself something I was I saw it happen and and 
I, like that was like my worst fear. Like, I can like, only imagine. Yeah. Well, like, what? Is, okay. How about this? Not to say it's happened to you, but I'm sure you know someone that it's probably happened to. What if you got the runs leading yeah. up to a fight? You just take a whole shitload of the modium and pray. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, what can you do? It was not really. It, I luckily never happened to me. Okay. I always had like an iron stomach. That was one thing. Oh, like, good I, for you. Then. That was that. There's going back to a regret is uh, like early in my career I was. You know, I, I told you how much I hated cutting weight, and right. so I'd be sitting there for eight weeks thinking about what I like, making a list in my head of all the food I was going to eat when okay. my hands were over. Right. And as and just being a stupid <laughs> young kid, I couldn't wait one more day till the fight was over. So I'd like I'd go to the grocery store and buy. The only thing for so I I was told early on, and it stuck in my head to stay away from red meat because it takes oh. a long time to digest. Okay, which I don't really even know if, if that's really a, a real <laughs> thing, but. Um, like I used to do some dumb stuff. I used to have. I used to crave cheesecake. I love cheesecake. So. Oh, that's a heavy food remember, too. Man. It's a heavy food. I remember Shit. one time, before I fought Fabio Holanda and TKO. Okay. I ate an entire ch- cherry cheesecake the night before the fight. Well, like a full size, like, like a, a family full size. Portion. Yeah, I my like sister made. Home. My sister knew I loved it, and she, you know, you can't make one slice of cheesecake. Of so she made this whole thing and brought it to Montreal where the fight was. <laughs> I had it in my hotel room and I was just it was so good I just couldn't wow. stop eating it I gave away maybe like a quarter of it so I probably okay. it's called three but quarters still. but that's still like a, that's still like three pounds of cheesecake yeah that's crazy man so is, yeah. is that your cheat meal? Is that your go-to? Uh, yeah, I love cherry cheesecake. That was my that was <laughs> Ooh, my go-to. God. But that was I I I started off like I started off. It I turned after that. It was like okay, I'll just have a little slice, okay. you know. So you're, you're not like a fast food type guy. Um, that was one thing I, t- I tried to stay away from before smart the fights. I, I'd do like a slice of pizza maybe, but okay, I, yeah, I but it, it was mostly just the volume of food that I would eat. And it was like, I mean, yeah, I mean, fast food, you could have, might as well have just thrown that in there. Cause I was like, I'd eat like a box of cookies and thing of, you know, I was like, <laughs> just whatever, really, really, I'd just eat whatever food got in my way. I'd just like... I'd eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and good and good stuff too, but I was just like always craving candy and junk food and yeah, pizza and could it be also because you were just depriving yourself and always cutting weight? Exactly, your no, body it was exactly begging that. for it was, that shit. It was right? Like you just, I wanted it so bad, and I was, but in hindsight, yeah, like, and it really towards the end of my career, I was like, okay, you know what? I can. I've gone eight weeks without eating this stuff. I can. I can uh, go one more day, wait till the fight's over, and not feel like shit when I walk into the cage. Because, yeah, I almost threw up when that, in that fight with Fabio Holanda. I remember oh, him man. getting me in my guard and like, and then standing up on his feet and really crunching oh, me gonna, down. Yeah, and I was right. like, oh, I just remember thinking, like, I got to get up or I'm going to puke all over this cage. See, that could have been your most embarrassing thing. That would have been. For sure, <laughs> yeah. I never, no, I guess I was lucky in that sense. I never had any of those, like, yeah, I never, yeah, nothing I can really think of. I mean. The most embarrassed I felt was after I got knocked out for the first time. And you watch the, watching the video, thing, watching right? the video, and uh, yeah, me trying to was trying to take the referee down. Oh, was, you did one of those? Yeah, oh, that yeah, was a tough pill to swallow. Especially, that. yeah, it was against KJ Nunes. Okay, okay, I do and, remember that fight. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So that was the first time I'd ever been knocked out. Shit. Yeah, and I uh, watching, yeah, you know, having to watch that after is tough. I was gonna ask you that, like, yeah. talk about uh, swallowing yeah. your pride and yeah, taking sure. an ego. Very tough Oof. pill to swallow for sure. Oof. But again, did you learn from it? Uh, well, not apparently not because. <laughs> Well, it happened to me at the next fight against Ross Pearson. Right. And then the next fight after that against uh, Frankie Perez, who wasn't Shoot. even really a big heavy-handed striker, which, right, right. you know, after KJ, 
I was like, okay, KJ's a great boxer, heavy hands, tough guy. Right. And then I fought Ross Pearson next, who's also a really heavy-handed guy, and he caught me True. too. And then I fought Frankie Perez, who was, uh, you know, a Hensel Gracie guy who's not even really known as being a great striker. Right. And it was just like, okay, something's something's not the same anymore. I don't have that 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 iron jaw that I used to. So that's why I decided to hang him up and so retire. That okay. Yeah, that's what it was for me. I mean, you know, with all this stuff in the in um, you know everything, they're still learning about concussions and you know, like the fact that they can't really diagnose. 100% diagnosed CTE until you're getting an autopsy done, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the only way that they they have no way of testing for it other than to look at your brain when you're dead. So, yeah, yeah that's that freaked me out. And, yeah, learning and kind of doing my own homework on that stuff. I'm like, I just said, you know what, I got a young daughter. She was basically a newborn. Right, right. Um, she was one year old when I, when I did my last fight. Okay. And it was like, you know what, it's not worth it. It's true, and uh, I suffered from post-concussion syndrome as well, where I was off work for almost two years and everything, and yeah. they couldn't find out what it was. And then finally, I would just put everything together and tell the doctors, well, I used to get hit in the head a lot playing hockey and then growing up, this, this, and yeah. that. I got into a car accident when I was four, and then from that, they pinpointed, like, that's when you got your first concussion. Yeah. Never healed, and kept getting them over time, and now it caught up to you. And like you said, it took almost 30 years to, re- and I've always been suffering my whole life. I just didn't know what yeah. it was. Yeah. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Well, I shouldn't say ridiculous, because I, I guess it's sort of a new thing. Yeah, because combat sports and all that. Even yeah. though it's been around forever, I guess you could go back to the gladiator days. But yeah, but even like the limelight. It's but even like in hockey and stuff like that, they used to too. have smelling salts on the on the bench. Right, for the guys. Right, hey, you get guys are getting out. stitched up and shit on the bench. Yeah, 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 I know it's, it's crazy. It's, so yeah. what do you want to see out of all this? Like, not even to say that to have a cure or whatever, but again, it's hard because being a fighter, you could contest to this. You're going to get concussed at least once in for your career. Sure. So I how mean, do you prevent it? It's kind of what they we sign up for, you know. I think everyone knows the risks going in, and uh, you know, to to a certain degree, you know what you're getting into. So there's really That's nothing. There's not you. much they can do. Um, and, Other than but, training, maybe I assume be smarter. I don't know. Is there such a thing? To me, it's you know, like to me, the hardest thing is is you do this and you run this risk, and and you know, there's. There's not a ton they can do for you after, but the, the hardest part is that they just kind of turn their back on you when you're done, right? Like, oh. you don't get, there's no, I mean, there's no pensions, That's there's no, too. you know, for the, the guys in the U.S., they don't really have any health healthcare. Me- health right. At least we have that. Yeah, like, I mean, they help them a little bit. Like, they, they have some medical insurance for them, but okay. it's not, it's really not enough. Like, okay, yeah. Course, you know, they're not, they're basically leaving guys high and dry. It's kind of, you know, so sometimes it's like, you know, it's hard to, you kind of feel like a commodity that gets used up and thrown away, and then, and then, you know, they're still basically, they're, they got a license to print money, and, right. and they're paying guys such a small amount, and yeah, like there's guys that, you know, if you go start looking around at what the, a lot of the UFC guys are doing now. Like, I had a good long career. I had 10 years. I had a lot of fight of the nights. And I was smart enough to put some money away. But there's a lot of guys that did this and had to get out for the same reasons, concussions, and didn't put the money away and don't, and spent, and kind of gave their youth to the sport and their health to the to the, the sport in the UFC. And, um, and now they're just kind of, 
you know, on to the next. Yeah, and they're they're dealing with depression. They're dealing with these these symptoms these that come effects, with yeah. with CTE and and whatnot. And you know, they got they don't have the means to deal with it, and they turn to drugs, or they turn to this or that, it's true and they too. start. I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, their families have to suffer for it, and they suffer for it. Don't yeah, and there's yeah. Do you see it? No, I don't want to put you on the spot or get any personal, but do you feel any of the effects? Um, I mean, I think, I don't know if it's, it's, it's hard to put a, put a you know, I, I suffer from some depression and okay. some stuff like that. And I'm, you know, I've, uh, yeah, I have my, I definitely have tough moments and, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, it's something that's in my family too. And it's, I don't oh, know if, okay. Um, so I don't know if it's a genetic thing or or if, if it's both or whatever. But you know I've you know had my issues and you know I worked through them and I got and, and you know I'm able to. I'm it's not to a point where I, I can't I can't bring myself out of it and just okay. say like listen I have a I have a pretty damn good life right you know I've I I got to do what I loved and I still do something I love and you know but yeah if you find have those moments where you're kind of get into these dark places and you can't really explain why and you like even though you know all these things like your life's good and everything but it's uh yeah it's tough sometimes well it's good that you can see the silver lining because that's important because yeah. once that goes then then you're in trouble as they say yeah, right? for sure okay before i get into the dumbass of the week one last thing what do you do other than mixed martial arts What's what's your leisure time like? What, what, what do you like to do on your free time, pleasure, vacations, anything? Honestly, I don't really have a ton of leisure time anymore. I got, <laughs> well, got I got a too, I got right? a daughter, right. and I got a I got a wife, and I got uh, <laughs> and I got this gym. But I like to you know what I just like to be social with my friends. You okay. know? I like to go out on the weekends. Like I spent Canada Day at the pool with uh, my, at my buddy's pool nice. and I spent the, the rest of the weekend uh, Saturday and Sunday at the beach with my daughter and, you know yeah that's that's kind of just like relaxing and having fun is kind of the way I, you know I like to play golf but I haven't I haven't been out this year okay um, well the weather yeah, hasn't been, been the greatest either so yeah it's either <laughs> been yeah, cold and rainy, or, or like today. sweltering yeah. hot yeah. it's crazy there's no in between I mean <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in complaining about the heat though I'm uh I'm a firm believer that you can only complain about the cold or okay. the heat, and I hate the cold so much that I never complain about the heat. So why are you still in Canada, my friend? <laughs> I got to be able to make a living. I got to be able to make a living. And no signs of going to like the GTA closer to Toronto and nothing you enjoy no, out here. I, you know what? I mean, Toronto's a great city, but I, it's for me, it's, you know, you look at all the people there and it's like, there's all these people that are... I'm able to buy. I own my own house. I mean, I don't own it outright, but, I'm paying, but I have a mortgage and stuff. Right. Like all these people paying rent their whole lives, and you know, I just I and 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 it's you get into such a big city like that. There doesn't to me, it doesn't seem like there's much of a sense of community unless you get something that brings the whole city together, like the the Raptors. The Raptors. That, like, yeah, that but biggest, that's, yeah, that's when true. was the last time that happened? '93 in the World Series. I guess so, right? Right? Like you don't really. You there don't. isn't. Yeah. It's a cold city. Yeah. Again, I grew up and lived there my whole life, so I know. I could attest yeah. it's a very cold city. Yeah. It so, is. I mean, I live in a city, I live in London, Ontario, where it's, you know, I know, like... my you know my, everyone my, my, Yeah, well, I, yeah, you, you <laughs> really, like, I can't, I don't go anywhere in the city without running into somebody I know, and, That's you know, cool. and, you know, if you, like, my doctor tra- trains here with me, oh, and I got, crazy. you know... 
you you know somebody for for everything, right? Well, like, like you said, you built a community. Yeah, right? it's a, there's a there's such a sense of community in the city, and it's not and it's not a small town. It's a, it's oh, it you know almost five you know four hundred five hundred thousand people. It's enough. You know, it's it's a, it's big enough to have everything you need, but it's it's not so big that you don't have that that right. sense of community and exactly. uh, and like a tight group of friends and and uh, you know anytime. And I and that was great when we were still fighting because the whole city got behind you every before every fight. Yeah, it was great. So I could only imagine. All right, let's go into our dumbass of the week then. Sure. Let's see if you think he's actually a dumbass. Because, like I said, I tend to think everyone's a dumbass, but that's just my personality. So let's see here. So I'll read you the headline. Then, if you want to get into it, we'll get into it. If you want to agree, whatever, we'll go from there. So, a man traveling from Florida to Hawaii by plane had no idea he had a snake in his carry-on. Is this guy a dumbass? Is it a pet snake? No, it wasn't even his. He didn't even know how it got in there. He knows nothing about it. How could you not notice... A snake in your carry-on? Or is, he, or is this man just lying to try and get away with it? Yeah, is a snake's on a plane situation? Because there's really no info other than... These motherfucking plane snakes off this motherfucking plane. But how... Now, this... I, I already have... It's not a fear of flying. It's more of an anxiety of flying. Because yeah. I, I love flying. I love the whole experience. It, it doesn't really... But for some odd reason... I guess maybe since nine eleven. I don't. I don't. In in on the off off chance that he packed his bag and a snake went and like crept in there. Right. Like I guess there's no way around that. But if he really just tried to pack a snake and his carry on to, to take with them, then uh, then he's definitely a dumbass. Well, he's twenty years old, so you can't blame like someone who's old or old age or someone that no. you know, is incoherent. So he had his wits about him. But this is again the scary part. They only noticed it when he touched down in Hawaii because the snake came out of the bag. So if the snake never came out, this man would have carried the well, snake Well, you know what's Hawaii. crazy about that story, too, is... Uh, and so this is... He was flying from Florida? Yeah. You know all those, like... Have you seen the, like, boa constrictors and or pythons or whatever? Right. The, Bur- the Burmese py- pythons okay. there, right? Like huge those are yeah. all Those are all snakes that was for, that all started from somebody's pet pets or like people releasing their, oh, their pet snakes the wild, when they right. got into the wild and and there's just no natural predators for them so they've like become right. a total pest well that's, and that's what they're saying a, like, too in hawaii yeah, you, get, you get paid yeah like that it has that, a natural predator it would yeah. just take over the whole island yeah yeah exactly and you'd wow. have can you imagine yeah so yeah this guy's a dumbass <laughs> okay sure. thank you <laughs> all right you got anything to plug any where people could find you anything up and coming um, well just check out i mean we just opened this new gym i you know we're all pretty proud of it so definitely if you're in the london area come check out adrenaline training center if you want any information on us we're at www.adrenalinemma.ca Perfect. No social media. You don't care for us. Sammy J Stout on uh, <laughs> on Instagram. I just got. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about getting back on Twitter. Oh, there you go. There yeah. you go. Breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, there you go. All right, for First myself. First time in about five years. So. <laughs> well, that's a long time. Good for you. For myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Finger Styles, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Support the sponsors, blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code thepodcast25. Poppyapparel.com. Use promo code thepodcast with a capital D. Please rate, subscribe, review on all the platforms, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We're all good, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. I No, I have to thank you for opening up your doors, letting me talk to yourself and Malcolm. This has been a fantastic experience. Really appreciate uh, my it. My pleasure. Thanks, Sam. Cheers. On that note, he's Sam. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.